Blog Talk Radio. Also, you just missed Northwest Pro and 
McClary, Washington, where our very own J.B. Moonshine was victorious over Chris Marks, and our very own Randy Zellers, despite being brutally hit in the head with an ice cream cone, came back to retain his Washington State heavyweight title moments ago. What an exciting show that was. QT, we missed it. We weren't in McClary. We're running this show. Our guests are at the show. They should be joining us shortly. But what kind of carnage is that? Randy Zellers was hit by an ice cream cone. He could have got brain freeze. What flavor of ice cream was it? It looked to be vanilla. All right. What are your top three flavors of ice cream of all time? Top My top three, I would go number one, chocolate peanut butter, number two, vanilla, and number three, Superman. What kind of flavor is that? It's basically vanilla that's been dyed red and blue. Oh, where can we find that? Um, usually ice cream shops I would have it. Uh, usually, like if you go to like an ice cream shop, especially your independent ones, they'll make the Superman ice cream where it's red and blue and yellow dyed vanilla ice cream. Okay. You know, I noticed you didn't have any ice cream on the recent Sign of the Times episode 442 with Ken Hamlin and Tony Hurts. Hurts. Um, well, that was not the most recent episode. That was a while ago, but we did not have ice cream that day. Although it was extremely hot there in Idaho when we uh, shot that from an undisclosed venue. What are chicken bobs three favorite, favorite favorite flavors of ice cream? Chicken bobs. His top three favorite? Yeah. Uh, I believe one would be... Um, Almond roca, number two would be uh, butter pecan, and then number three, coffee. Well, okay, butter, be- butter pecan is a, a very nice flavor. Now, when Chicken Bob is watching TV with his favorite ice cream, what are his top three shows to watch? Let's say sitcoms. Would Welcome Back Cotter be one of his top three? I'd say um, Robot Chicken is number one, Green Acres number two, and number three, the original TV show Dallas. Is Chicken Bob a big fan of Foghorn Leghorn? Uh, Yes, yes he is. Okay, was one of uh, Chicken Bob's seminal moments in in animated cartoon history, is that when uh, Foghorn Leghorn called the dog out of his doghouse, and the dog was attached to the chain, and the dog ran out of chain, and he kind of did a a 180 onto his back, and it was at this time that Foghorn Leghorn paddled him with a two-by-four. <laughs> no, I believe Chicken Bob's uh, most seminal animated show moment was when Foghorn Leghorn uh, tried to be a mentor to little Egbert uh, for the widow chicken. That was when Foghorn Leghorn said, this boy is about as sharp as a bowling ball. Yes. That's the one, yes. All right. Well, that's a 
something. Okay. Chicken Bob there. Okay. How hot was it in Idaho uh, when you shot the U-Haul edition? I'm going to guess 101. Uh, I think it was closer to 90, but I believe we've a guest with us. Do we have our guest with us? Hello. Hello. Hello, Ken and Tanya. It seems like just moments ago I saw you. Well, you know what? We're going to move a little bit because we're having it. We're outside here at a, uh, just at the end of the uh, event we were working today. Tanya was taking pictures, and I was uh, doing commentary. We've moved around to the back behind the Bears Den here in McCleary, so it'll be easier for you to hear us. I'm sorry about that. Not a problem at all. I did watch that live feed. I saw both of you there. Ken, you saw some chicanery going on there. Who hits a man with an ice cream cone? Uh, well, you know what? As, as hot as it is today there, sign guy, uh, I think that more refreshed Randy Zellers than anything else. So uh, it, it is a, a nice day here in McCleary, Washington. We're pushing 80 degrees, and we had a good time. We, um, <clears throat> we raised four boxes of uh, school supplies for the underprivileged kids here in the East County of um, Mason County. So, I mean, it, um, <clears throat> it was a fun day. Everybody came out. They had a great time. But uh, we're here to talk about taking pictures, right? We are. Now, normally I ask someone how they get involved in the particular role, but you joined us last week when we had George Napolitano, so we heard that story. But, Tanya, how did you get into photography for professional wrestling? Well, growing up, my mom was a – she loved photography, so I kind of got that passion from her. So whenever we would come to, you know, wrestling events or something like that, she would just automatically just bring her camera and take the picture. So I kind of, I kind of fed off her and kind of, you know, got tips from her and, and learned kind of how to take shots and angles and, and stuff like that. So it kind of grew into a passion of mine as well. So kind of a second generation type of situation. Yeah, pretty much. Now, yeah, you don't want to hear my story again, right? Yeah. Now, Ken, you, like you said last week, uh, got started in the Portland Territory, and you worked for George Napolitano and provided photos as well as some uh, stories for him. The photography game has definitely evolved, not just in wrestling, but photography in general, it's evolved a great deal over the last several years due to the technological advances and the way that the magazine industry has changed and the book industry has changed. You've seen a lot of the differences between when you started and to where we're at now in photography. What do you think has been some of the biggest changes, good or bad, as it relates to photography within pro wrestling well the the virtual deletion of paper hard copy wrestling magazines is one of the biggest things uh, i believe there's only like pwi that's left out there when i was writing and collecting and there was um uh, uh they were probably a, at least a minimum of 12 to 15 uh 
mags that came out either quarterly or monthly. And right now, PWI is it for the hard copy printed version of a magazine. Uh, I think that has um, that's evolved the sport when it comes to taking pictures. Um, the the loss of the territories also meant the loss of things to cover, which is I think a main thing that has uh, happened to the industry with no real quote quote territories that you can have wrestling magazines and interviews and articles from back in the day they used to they used to circle around the New York and Atlanta area, but you would get stories from Florida, you would get stories from Texas, you would get stories from California, you would get stories from the Pacific Northwest, Canada. So I mean, you know, without with the with the loss of territories that meant the loss of stuff that you could get to the magazines. And then when Mr. McMahon decided to, you know, start producing his own magazine and everything, he uh, <clears throat> in turn kind of, uh, uh, he kind of not only hurt the territories, but he also hurt the magazine industry by starting his own magazine. And from what I was, I don't know this for a fact, but I was told there was only certain people allowed to take pictures at that time, and they were for WWF magazine at that time. So, I, I mean, it, it, you lost not only did you lose, you know, places where people could take pictures and, and do things of that nature, but you also lost outlets. Because uh, right now, you know, it used to be the, there used to be five, six, George used to put out, you know, three or four magazines himself, and the Afters had many magazines, and you had Norm Keitzer and Jim Melby. And so, you know, they were, you know, Wrestling Eye, Wrestling Fury, uh, sports review wrestling. There were always ways to set up and put stuff out there so people knew what was going on. Granted, you do something, you have to do it fairly generic because by the time you get it there, it's, uh, the magazines were produced two to three months ahead of time. So a lot of times you had to do somewhat generic stuff <clears throat> to, uh, or something that you knew was going to last into a long feud or to be, you know, uh, apropos, so to speak. Uh, I think the the good side of it is the advent of digital photography. Uh, we don't have to take the pictures to go to Walgreens, get the film developed, and uh, hope for the best that you can take, you know, and co the cost is now uh, minimal. It's more your time than it is cost of anything else. You can get programs for your computers to fix your, pro, your, fix your um, pictures if they are a touch out of focus or if, they, if you want to, uh, you know, raise the light, lower the light. The computer age has uh, by far, you know, uh, put wrestling photography way above what it was when I was doing mine in the middle of the 80s and 90s. Now, Tanya, you, like we yeah. saw today, if I, like myself, you saw the live feed at Northwest Pro, you were taking shots there at ringside, and I'm sure mostly action shots. Some photographers develop a passion for taking more action-based shots, and some 
have a passion for more still photography where they'll wait for wrestlers to not be in motion, where they prefer doing primarily promo pictures and things of that nature. Do you have a preference when it comes to that aspect of it? Um, you know, I like I, I love when I can I can when the action's kind of going where I can I, I can kind of time it. Where it's like okay, I'm going to get a really good action shot, but I do like getting, you know, different angles of like you know rest shots or like when the guys come out and they're like they're standing out and stuff like that. So I can I kind of like a combination of both. I like you know it just kind of depends on what happens and and the match and thing. But I do kind of like to kind of mix it up and kind of see what I can catch and and kind of have I kind of have. I kind of like both ways. Nothing wrong with liking it. Both sides of that equation. Now, do you, when you uh, shoot at ringside like you were today, have you developed the sixth sense of when a move might be unfolding so you're more prepared for it, or do you have to hope you catch it as it's happening? Um, you know, sometimes I get lucky and I can catch it while it happens, but, you know, if you watch, you know, some of the guys like I've, you know, I watch, you know, guys like JD and something, I kind of can kind of get a gauge. I've watched it for so long that I can kind of gauge, okay, he's going to, I think he's going to go for the top row so I can kind of time it and stuff like that. But I've, I've gotten better at at kind of anticipating of of what moves are going to happen and, and this, that, and the other so I can kind of get some good shots. Now, Ken, going back to when you started out, it was still the era of when photographers were really hungry for pictures that had blood in them because usually the magazines would pay a little bit more for those because they would tend to sell more magazines if there was blood featured in the photos or not. Over the years, of course, things have changed as far as people's reaction to blood and that type of thing. From when you started to now, have you changed stances on if you like to capture blood in the photos and do you think that it's still something that is really relevant to a wrestling photographer in this day and age or do you think that's something from a bygone era? Well, I think... In in hindsight, when I was taking the pictures back in the day, you know, you know, it, it it's the old um, the old wrestling adage: red turns green. Um, and yes, they did have more the bloody pictures on the cover would sell more magazines. Now, you know, when you're when you're working at that point in time, they were working six, seven nights a week. And you would have a lot of different matches that would possibly incorporate uh, getting some juice. But you know, in the most part, for the most part, when you're doing a spot show, when you're doing a, a town where you know you're you're maybe not going to come back uh, for three or four months, you didn't see much of that. But you know, the every month towns back in the day when Owens was working, you know, every he would do weekly shows, and you would see more of the of the blood on that one. But I tried, if it came through, I always tried to get it just because I thought it would be a more sellable shot. But these days, with the amount of um, commissions, 
with the amount of uh, possible, you know, diseases and so forth. Everybody keeps a real tight rein on how much blood happens in the ring. So now you kind of have to change your focus, I think. Yeah, you have to change the focus right now. And that's the whole thing. I think right now, uh, I don't really check out PWI or anything else like that anymore, but um, I think if you're a photographer in this day and age, you have to learn, like Tanya was saying, number one, anticipate what the, what's going to happen. You also have to be very prepared to take shots that are uh, flying because these days the, the flying of a people flying off the ropes, people doing more um, – action type moves uh, you know spot here spot there spot here spot there that's where your money's going to be I think right now is, is the action you know where if you can catch somebody now you know doesn't beat a good uh, picture of somebody choking somebody over that second rope making a great face for you and and that's something else I think everybody's got to doesn't consider these guys know they're being pictures they're being um, photographed so they're going to if they see you, especially when the days when I was doing Portland, <clears throat> I normally knelt at the corner, and I would move over a little bit on one side of the post or the other. But they know you're there taking pictures. They're going to work to you, which always helped me. I mean, there are times that you would take pictures. I used to take pictures for um, <clears throat> the late Bob Pyatt, who was the man that we talked about before, uh, was the front man for Dutch Savage here in Portland, and he ran the gimmick table. So I would take the, the post photos in the ring and things of that nature and with the titles and all that. But uh, for the most part, you know, for the magazines, you wanted those action shots. So you, right now, I think if you were to pull the people who are the photographers, you're not getting any post shots in the ring. Everything's action, action, action. And I think that's where the, uh, the level is right now. Well, Tanya, obviously uh, you came along a little bit later, but for your own personal taste and experiences, do you enjoy taking pictures of matches that have blood introduced into them, or is that something that you don't necessarily want to have in your portfolio? Um, You know, I don't. Blood doesn't bother me, so I mean, I kind of, I try to kind of, when I take my pictures, I, I kind of try to maybe tell a story, and if there's blood in it, you got to kind of tell that story too. So, you know, I may not have, you know, extreme close-up of, you know, gushing blood and stuff like that, I mean, but I will, you know, photograph blood if it's, you know, if it's in there, you got to kind of take what you're given and kind of tell a story with your pictures, because you're going to have people... Um, you know, somebody looking at your pictures, you know, who maybe didn't see, you know, the event, whether it be online or whatever, and you want to kind of tell us right what happened. So if there's blood in it, you know, you kind of have to show that too. But it doesn't, it doesn't bother me. So, you know, I kind of, kind of try to get what I can get. If I'm ever gushing blood in a match, I will feed over to where you're taking pictures so you can get the shot. Okay, sounds good. Now, 
Ken, one of the things that has obviously changed since you started to now is the equipment. Uh, you touched on it a little bit about how we have uh, digital equipment now rather than having to take pictures somewhere and have them developed from the film. If someone were to ask you for advice as far as the best equipment to use to be a successful wrestling photographer, what advice would you have for them today? Well, to be honest with you, the the best equipment, I think what you do bestly is, is research yourself. Research is the best thing. Um, specifically, what you want to do is you want to go out and look at the, you know, you can go out and you can buy a camera for 200 you can go out and buy a camera for eight hundred thousand, you know, eight hundred, a thousand, twelve hundred dollars, and that two hundred dollar camera might serve you better than the, uh, you know, the eight hundred dollar, thousand dollar camera. It just depends on what you're looking for to do. Um, the higher, the higher the price of the camera, supposedly the better the picture. Sometimes that doesn't always uh, ring true. Um, my advice on something like this is. Go out, go to your local Best Buy camera shop, you know, look at each camera, get the names, go in and study them. Uh, pick up the, uh, you know, go online, check the manuals, check what they are, what they do good and what they don't do good, because you're going to get reviews. And, you know, every review helps you. Um, but these days, you know, uh, Canon puts out a pretty good product. I'm an old school guy. I like Pentex myself. That's a lot of that's really hard to find sometimes. Um, but uh, <clears throat> I think the best thing to do if you're choosing a, a camera is to go in and, and read your reviews. Look at the, you know, you, you most of them have online instructions too. You can look in there and see, you know, how much, uh, how fast the shutter speeds are, what you're going to want to use them for. Are they better in light? Are they better in dark? And one of the things right now with the invention of these, the, the new digital cameras is, is a, in a lot of places, you don't need the flash. You can set your speeds at the same rate, your, your shutter speeds and your film speed, and uh, you can come through and, and do a lot without a lot of light. Granted, you know, and it just depends. I'm, both Tanya and I prefer to shoot outdoor shows. We feel natural light is the best light for wrestling photography. So if you can shoot an outdoor show, you're, I think your pictures are going to come out so much better than if you're shooting on an inside, especially on uh, arenas that have a fluorescent light. Now you and I both, you and I work in an arena over in Vaughan, Washington, which is nothing but fluorescent light. And um, <clears throat> the lighting is good, but for some reason. It just doesn't do as good as a natural light photo. So if you're going to do anything like that, I would think, uh, number one, if you can use the natural lighting, that would be great. But, I, but you also may have to invest yourself, like I did, in a really, really, really nice flash. <clears throat> George turned me on to a really good flash back in the day. And I had had a cheaper flash. He goes, no, buy this one. He says, you you know, at that point in time when I was doing all this, I could write it all off on my taxes because of the money I was making. But um, he says, write it off as a business expense. 
and I picked up a, a hundred dollar. At that point, it was a hundred dollar flash, which in back in the eighties, that was an expensive flash. But you've seen some of my old black and white pictures, those pictures of Bruiser Brody and Rip Oliver and all those pose photos. Uh, having proper equipment, having good equipment, having equipment that you can that you know is going to work for your situation, uh, it, it's it's killer. It's going to mean it's going to mean more. It's going to mean between an average picture and a picture everybody's going to rave about. Now, Tanya, in today's day and age. I know one of the gripes that I most hear out of wrestling photographers is the event ends, and within a few minutes, people are asking the photographer if they have their promo pictures yet, if they have pictures from their matches, so forth, so on. It's become an instantaneous thing with a lot of wrestlers where they want those pictures the second the match leaves the ring, practically. I know a lot of people in a lot of places have that complaint. Do you personally run into a lot of people that hound you from the time the bell rings to have their pictures for them? Um, you know, a lot of what I take, you know, kind of for are, you know, our personal stuff or anything, but, I mean, there have been, there have been a few times where, like, you know, I have been asked by some of the, the guys and everything of, oh, did you get when I did this? Or, or did, you know, did I get, and I'll have to say, okay, let me go back and see if I, what I got and everything. I'll show them and stuff like that. So once we get the pictures taken, we take them back. We kind of, you know, Kendall will, you know, put them on the computer and kind of touch them up and stuff like that. And then we put them out there. So it's kind of like, we haven't really been hounded as far as like, I want my pictures right now, but, a lot of the guys are curious of, did you get when I, you know, flew off the top open, did this or whatever, because a lot of them want that shot, that special shot. And if you can get that special shot for them, then that's great. But a lot of them have been really kind of like, you know, they just, they're just curious, of, did you get it, rather than, you know, can I get it right now? You're luckier than some photographers then. Now, Ken, you brought up your uh, picture with Brody and Rip Oliver, and I know that is one of your favorite photos that you've taken in your career. Do you want to tell us about that particular shot and uh, what it means to you to know that it's still widely in use to this day by fans? Well, I'll tell you this. Um, I had a great rapport with I had a great rapport with Rip Oliver uh, and all the boys in uh, Portland for the most part um, they uh, very on was always kind enough to allow me in the back um, and the the Brody thing to me, I was just one of those ones that I was happy about and I lucked into. Everything fell into place, and it was right. Brody was working a show in Seattle for Don Owen and teaming with Rip Oliver against the Road Warriors. Uh, I was in the back of that, and I got in the back, and I was, you know, I had, I believe I had done an interview earlier with someone, and I, as I went over towards the heel dressing room, 
uh, I said to Rip, hey, I want to, is it okay, will Bruiser let me take pictures of him? And he goes, oh, hell yeah, he's a good guy, come on back. And we went back, and we shot some post pictures. Um, that was the one, that one right there, I think, and I don't know if you'll say this, but I think that's my signature shot. I think that's the one, if everybody has seen that, they go, oh, my God, that's that's a fabulous picture. I know that uh, Barbara Goodish loves it. And um, I've had more than one person want to buy that photo off me. No, I want the original. No, you can't have the original. That original stays with me. But, I mean, it was um, <clears throat> back in the day, it was um, when the boys knew I was there, then they also knew that they were going to get uh, something good. And um, you interview them, um, you know, and, and part of the process of being a, a good photographer at that, back in that day was also being able to interview somebody. And as you know, the Northwest was one of those uh, areas <clears throat> where um, young guys got their start. I got Billy Dax first. Uh, interview in a major magazine. I got Oliver's. I got Mike Miller's. I got a bunch of these guys. Their first major magazine stuff. They would think it have been in Wrestling News or something like that. But when you hit the New York magazines, <clears throat> it means a lot. And that's where George came in. Not only was George instrumental in getting my career going, but you know, he was instrumental by placing these things in there and getting these guys. So promoters in Florida, promoters in Texas, they all saw this and they go, okay, look at that. This guy's got, you know, capabilities. This guy's got, he can, you look at his body, they can see him. <clears throat> they can inquire to not only, hey, when you're, when his time is up, we'd like to have him come here. So it was not only just the pictures at that time. But it's also doing interviews, writing stories, making things happen for the boys like that. You know, Steve Dahl was a, a good good guy. I knew Steve Dahl and Scott Peterson, but wrestler soul. Uh, they were always, everybody, all these guys, you know, um, Dave Sierra, the assassin, was always willing to pose, always willing to do an interview because they knew it was going to further their career. So not only was this you know, good for me, but it was also good for them. And I was always pleased when George would print something on these guys and I'd take them a copy of this and i go, here we go, this is what we did. And uh, you you, would re- you didn't realize just how uh, how much gratitude those guys had for you when you, uh, you did something like that because it helped their careers. Absolutely. Definitely did, especially back in that day. Uh, Tanya, for your own personal photography career in wrestling, do you similarly have a favorite picture that you've taken or one that you think is like your signature shot? Well, for myself, Tanya really doesn't have one, she says, but for myself, it's the Bruiser Brody and Rip Oliver picture, but I've got a couple of other ones. I want to be Jack. Haynes, uh, one of Dynamite Kid that are that are uh, favorites of mine. Um, when I was saying, I took a lot of pictures because I 
not only the magazines, but also for the gimmick tables. So, I mean, there was a number of them that turned out really well. I had a really nice color shot of Brett Sawyer uh, with the belt that we sold. Uh, but, you know, there were, there were good ones. But, you know, back in those days, you also had bad ones. You know, so it, it's not like you just can't, you couldn't just go and say, oh, delete, boom. Back then, you had to take the good with the bad with the jet when you had to get them developed and all that. But, uh, yeah, Dynamite Kid one was really good. I'll, one of these days, if I can dig that out, I'll, 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 send you a, what, I'll send you a shot of that. And Billy Jack Haynes wearing the belt and a black vest. People have probably seen that one before. Um, it was... Um, it was a good time. It was a great time, and, and I got to meet so many of the workers back then, you know, which, uh, which, as a as a young guy in my 20s and 30s, to me that was like an amazing thing. Part of it. Well, guys, at this point, QT Vokes is standing by. I'm sure QT has some questions, so Tez, help you as I pass you along to him. Well, well, thank you, Sign Guy. Hello, Ken. Hello, Tanya. Hello. Hi, QT. Good to hear from you. Oh, very nice. Very nice. Um, Tanya, I recently saw you in an episode of the Sign of the Times, number 442, the U-Haul edition that was shot uh-huh. in Idaho. And right. uh, at the 5 minute and 31 second mark, you can hear a motorcycle in the background. Now, due to my expert knowledge of motorcycles, I could determine, Tanya, that it was not a Harley-Davidson motorcycle, which leads to my next question. Have you ever taken pictures of the Hells Angels or the Filthy Few Motorcycle Club? No, I've, I've never taken pictures of any motorcycle club. I would love to because I, I love motorcycles, so that would be a thrill for me. I mean, I've been to Harley museums and stuff like that. So I've, I've, you know, I love motorcycles, but no, I haven't ever taken uh, pictures of any uh, motorcycle clubs or something like that, but that'd be, that'd be great. I would, that'd be a, a dream of mine. Is it in your future plans to travel to South Dakota and take photographs of the Sturgis motorcycle rally? You know, that it's not something that's planned, but I, I it was something I would absolutely love to do. I mean, I've been to Sturgis a long time ago, but it was it was I was a kid then, and it was all about two weeks before the rally. But um, you know, I, I love that part of the country. So I mean, to go to Sturgis, I've always wanted to to do the motorcycle rally. So that would that would be amazing. Oh, okay, all right. Well, Tanya, do you know what the official colors of the Hell's Angel are, Angels are? The official colors. Isn't it like red and black? Red and white. Okay, I was half right. <laughs> okay, good, good. I, I'm, I'm just hoping to myself to make you a motorcycle jacket with a red and white rocker patch on the lower rocker arm. But have a picture of a, of a king instead of a, a phoenix death head that those angel wears. I'll just put up. That would that would be cool. Oh, okay. All right. Well, Ken, were you a big fan of photographer Ansel Adams? Ansel Adams, when you were growing up. No, not really. My uh, my photography days didn't come around until I got into wrestling. Honestly, 
Oh, okay. All right. Well, Tanya, how if you could time travel, actually, if anyone could time travel, like Stewie of the Family Guy show, how would Ansel Adams do in a cage match with Chicken Bob, in your opinion? Uh, I think Chicken Bob could take him. Oh, oh, okay. Ansel Adams, okay. All right. Well, Ken, do you have any plans to travel to the haunted battlefields of Gettysburg? Because they say sometimes at sunset you can hear the drum and pipe music played by ghostly tickets charge ghostly figures at tickets charge. Is it your hope to capture the soldiers playing drum and pipe on the battlefield? Uh, that's because I want to know. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, all right. Well, Tanya, likewise, do you plan to go to Romania after the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally and visit the ruins of Dracula's castle, where it is rumored that recently some photographer from, uh, <coughs> from some uh, country has captured the first known photographs of a gay vampire. No, that's not not my plans at this time. Okay. Well, Tanya, in your opinion, could a gay vampire give someone AIDS like I saw in a National Enquirer magazine headline? Uh National Choir, you kind of have to take it with a grain of salt, so that's something I don't, I don't know if that's possible. Okay, all right. Now, speaking of which, I did see this gay vampire headline in the early 80s when, um, you know, that was uh, kind of like a, the swinging late 70s, you know, at that club in New York. What they call that? Studio 56? Something like that? Yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, I'm just wondering also, Tanya, if you could time travel, if you would like to go to Studio 56, where they all hung out, you know, like the members of KISS. Yeah. Um, you know, I've heard stories about Studio 54, of the crazy stuff that went on there. I don't know. I'm not really a, a party, you know, that kind of person. So I don't know if I, I would really enjoy myself there. All right. Okay. We'll just leave, leave the parting, the the parting in the past. Dick and Bob. He was quite the swinger, from what I hear. Yeah. Yeah. We'll leave it to him. We can leave. We can see Chicken Bob actually just going under the ball. Oh. Okay. Oh boy. That's a, okay. Well, Mr. Hamlin, were you a big fan of Seinfeld? And if so, do you remember when Kramer went on the Regis and Kathy show to promote? His book on coffee tables. I vaguely remember that episode. I'm not a big Seinfeld guy, but I do vaguely remember that episode. Um, just very vague. Very, very vague. Okay, well, Kramer uh, uh, produced a book on coffee tables, just photographs of coffee tables. A coffee table book on coffee tables. Yes, yes, and it even had fold out legs that you could uh, use as a coffee table. Uh, my question is, how much would it have meant to you if some of your wrestling photos could have made it in Kramer's book about coffee tables? 
hey, you know what? As long as he paid me, I didn't care. Now, okay. At that point in time when I was doing wrestling photography, I wanted my money. So uh, that was that was part of part of the deal. Not only the the uh, getting to meet the boys and getting that, but you know what? It was all it was it was meant to supplement my income at that time too. So he's gonna pay for the pictures. I recently had pictures printed in a in the book about Lance Swan Eric, and uh, you know. I, I, I may be cheap, but I'm not free. Wow. Okay. You come at a, at a, at a good price. Okay. Good price that you charge. All right. Well, Tanya, well, for, you, for you, it probably would be more, but. Oh, yes. Yes. I'm very photographic. Yes. I, oh, I have a deep uh, wallet myself. Yes. Okay. Deep wallet. Okay. Well, Tanya, do you ever think there will be a wrestler in the Northwest called Shutter Speed? And if so, how would he do in Vaughn Washington against Christopher Rizek? Um, You know, nowadays people make, you know, they have their, their gimmicks and everything of, of amazing, you know, I mean, just of anything. So uh, depending on how, how big this guy is, I don't know. I mean, it's, uh, it, I don't know. It would be an interesting match to see him and Rizek together. Well, you know, Christopher Isaac isn't one to shy away from the camera. Maybe this shutter speed guy could pull a, a camera out of his trunks as Christopher Isaac is going for the one, two, three and stop him as he poses for a photograph. If if that if that was actual you know, if that was actual guy, yeah, I could see definitely see that happening. Funny okay. to talk about that. There was um I've actually had um, talks before with promoters about being involved in an angle uh, where the photographer would make someone lose. So that has been put out there as an angle. Oh, wow. Hey, uh, can you give us a hint of who you talked to? Well, this was back in the day, uh, back when I was working with um, the PWF and the ICW. <clears throat> but it was more, this was an angle that we wrote up for a comic strip that was drawn back in the 80s called Amen Ra. So when we, oh. we actually put the, the angle in the comic strip uh, after I was uh, dissed by one of the villainous wrestlers, I was at ringside taking pictures and I actually blinded them with my flash, and I got this whole idea years ago from Lonnie Main, believe it or not. Lonnie Main was in a match in Tacoma years ago, and sitting in the front row, someone had, a, back in them days, a 126-inch thematic camera and, uh, with the flash cubes. Oh, well, okay. Lonnie was being worked over pretty well, and he was hanging over the ropes. He looked out into the front row, and he waved the person over and pretended like he wanted a camera. So uh, he got the camera, so instead of hitting this person with the camera, he turned around, took the picture, the flash went off, and it blinded his opponent, and he picked him up with a one, two, three. So everything in wrestling is rehashed, and I saw that when I was 
probably 17, 18 years old, and I thought, what a great angle. Wow. Hey, and I actually put it to use. Blinding your opponent with a flash instead of an eye poke like Ric Flair. I'm telling you. It was, uh, it was, it got a great crowd reaction. Wow. Well, I can only hope that we will soon see a wrestler named Shutter Speed make his appearance in the Northwest. I'm, I'm crossing my fingers. You never know. Stranger things have happened. Wow. All right. Well, Tanya, speaking about comic strips, can you tell our Turnbuckle Turmoil listeners what your top three comic strips of all time uh, are, and would one of them be Garfield and Bloom County? Um, I, I do like Garfield. I, I do. I also, I, I've always liked For Better, For Worse. Um, um, gosh, I haven't read comics in so long. I have to remember what comics I, I used to look at. Um, uh... But yeah, I used I used to read Garfield every day and stuff like that. So I'd have to say that that's one of my favorites. Oh, okay. I mean, I I have heard rumors out of Shelton, Washington, that you were a big fan of Bloom County and Opus the Penguin. Opus. I uh, never really read Opus, so. No, oh, okay. Wasn't wasn't one okay. I really watched. Well, Mister Hamlin, do you know? If George Napolitano has plans to use an underwater camera and Im- immerse himself in a steel cage, which is wrestling like, off the Farallon Islands and photograph great white sharks. I wouldn't put it past George. <clears throat> oh, George is an innovator. Yes, he is an innovator, and I believe that the future of underwater photography involves being immersed in a steel cage that is wrestling-like. I think George would uh, invest in that. I, I think it would have to be a uh, one with a with a with a roof on it, of course, or else the sharks could like swim down in and eat him. I don't think he'd go for yeah. anything less than that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Tanya. If you could time travel and be offered a job as a photographer on the movie sets of either Dumb and Dumber with Jeff Daniels and Jim Carrey or the set of Caddyshack with Ted Knight, Terry Chase, and Bill Murray, which one would you choose? Um, you know, that's, that's a tough choice. I mean, Caddyshack, that, those pictures would be, they'd be iconic. But I'm more of a, a Dumb and Dumber fan. I'm, you know, I, I like Jim Carrey. I like Jeff Daniels. So I think I probably choose Dumb and Dumber. Okay, all right. Would if you had a choice uh, to be in any scene on Dumb and Dumber, would it be uh, if you could go into that restaurant called Dante's Inferno and see the gangster eating that jalapeno burger that eventually lands him on the floor with cardiac arrest? Yeah, I probably would Oh, okay All right Well, Tanya, say if the uh, set of Dumb and Dumber did not work out And you were transferred to Caddyshack Who would you rather photograph? The gopher or Danny Newman? 
Um, probably the gopher. Oh, okay, the gopher. You would re- okay, very good. I'm marking down gopher instead of Danny Noonan for your choice. All right, okay. Well, George, are there any truths to the rumors from my wrestling sources out of Shelton, Washington, that you have been contact- contacted by Coach Mike Jones to photograph a set of promo pictures for his upcoming boxing match for charity with Danny Bonaducci of the Partridge family. Well, I haven't been contacted, but I, I would uh, I would probably think that Coach Mike Jones might contact me for pictures. Uh, he was always after me for everything, every picture I could get of him, so it wouldn't shock me. Now, now uh, I think there could be a possibility that Coach Mike Jones might get a lucha mask and maybe, perhaps, make his debut as the wrestler known as Shutter Speed. I'd pay big money to see that. Well, you know, Coach Mike just loves the business, and I think if you uh, you you bring up something to him, he's always willing to listen. Wow. Okay. Could you see Coach Mike Jones as a wrestler named Shutter Speed? in a triple threat match against Lance Dean or a stipulation match. Hello? Did we lose Ken? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Keithy. We got uh, momentarily sidetracked there. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Could you see the wrestler known as Shutter Speed in a stipulation match with Lance Dean? Well, I don't know. Lance Dean, that would be a Lance Dean question. I don't think he's still here. He worked today. But I'm sure Lance Dean would would wrestle anybody, especially if there was a jug of moonshine around. Wow. Okay. All right. Well, Tanya, I will try to construct a uh, motorcycle jacket for you with a uh, a photo or a uh, cloth emblem of of a camera on the back instead of a Phoenix Deathhead, which sport, and instead of red and white, I'll probably give you maybe Ann and Black, like Guinness. Again, it's Okay. Uh, back to okay. you. Okay. Yes, very good. Yes, yes. All right. Well, thank you, QT. Yes, very well. Well, guys, uh, we're down to the last few minutes, and I want to make sure that there's ample time. If there's anything you'd like to say to the listeners, welcome promote anything and everything, upcoming appearances, the social medias, your favorite dry cleaner, anything you want. We'll start leaving. Well, you know, my dry cleaner just closed. Um, Let's talk about next Saturday and Lakewood, Washington. Northwest Pro will be there at bell time at 1 o'clock. And it is is for Springbrook Park. And it's uh, over by the... uh, the old entrance to McCord Airfield. <clears throat> we do something with them every year. They're a organization that uh, helps out the community, and we do uh, shows there every year at this park. Uh, let's talk about the 27th, which is going to be in South Hill, Washington. And it is a uh, – I don't have the address in front of me, 
but it will be 7.30 next, on the 27th, Friday the 27th. <clears throat> and then the big one on the 28th, uh, Northwest Pro will be back in Vaughn, Washington at the Key Peninsula Civic Center at 17010 South Vaughn Road in Vaughn, Washington. Uh, doors open at 7, bell time is 7.30. The show in Lakewood is a 1 o'clock show. And also the uh, show in South Hill is the doors at 7, at 7.30 bell time. I'll be there doing commentary, and we'll be on Facebook Live getting a feed out. Also, just a, a quick reminder, you know I'm such a big proponent of the Cauliflower Alley Club. Uh, we hope to have the Cauliflower Alley Club reunion coming up in September. Uh, but with the COVID situations, we don't know for sure. It, it, right now it is scheduled. So, but, um, you know, we're, we're, we're hoping that everything works out just fine with them. But, I mean, it's a great organization to be a part of. Uh, $27 will get you your um, uh, your membership, and uh, they do a, they they try to do a, a every year they do a a, a a reunion. So I mean it's uh, we just want to have people support um, live independent pro wrestling. The main thing. Uh, come out, help these guys out. And you know what? Don't just come and be a fan. Be a supporter. These guys have uh, merchandise. They have pictures. They have T-shirts. A lot of these guys are out there working for a little or nothing, and every little thing you can do for them uh, helps. Uh, you see something on social media, share it. You know, the more people that come out and see these, the better off these guys have, and the better they're going to, uh, the more they can succeed. So please support all independent wrestling, not just here in the Northwest, but everywhere you're at. Tanya, anything you want to say, plug or promote? Um, kind of a little bit what he what he said. Um, I was going to say, yeah, come out support independent wrestling. It's a great family friendly, you know, night out. You know, it's it's fairly inexpensive, and you have a great time. So sometimes you can t- maybe take your own pictures and kind of make your own memories. So yeah, definitely come out and to you know go to go to wrestling shows wherever you can. There there's organizations popping up all the time. Northwest Pro is like, you know, the main one that we work with and, and we're having shows all the time. So coming out, support the, the, the guys and girls that, that do this because they love it. So, and you'll find maybe a new passion of your own. Social media wise, check them out on Facebook, Northwest Pro, three words, Northwest Pro Wrestling. You'll find out all the information there about where we're going to be and when the shows are going to be on and, uh, most of these shows are by donation only, so you know, come out and and uh, open your your heart up to professional wrestling, but also open up the pocketbook a little bit to help keep these independent wrestling shows running. Because if you don't, you know, you're going to lose all your wrestling, and you're going to be down to, you know, once a year, twice a year for the big boys that come through. And and I'll tell you something, you know, it, it can be awfully uh, you can be awful wrestle poor if you're just uh, dependent on them to come around. Well, guys, I want to thank you both very, very much for being on with us today. I appreciate it greatly, especially since you were just working at the Northwest Pro Show moments before we went on the air. So I appreciate you guys taking the time. 
and I'm sure I will see you fairly soon. And fans definitely can on commentary during the live feed. So if you can't make it to the shows, you can hear him on the commentary, letting you know what's going on. And you can often see. And also, if you go to the, if you go to the website, if you go to the website, you can uh, you can you can play it back. They'll post it up within that day, and you can watch it that way also, too. Absolutely. So keep abreast on it. Tanya often seen taking photos there. She usually has photos up uh, for the social media pages from the show, so you can see her work there. We will be back with you next week. Next Friday afternoon, we are joined by Alex Kane. And then one week from this very day, we continue in Photography Month with Wayne Palmer. He is a photographer out of the northeast part of the country, so we're getting a different section of the country represented next week. Everybody stay safe out there, support your local independents, and we'll be back with you soon. All right.